Will you, Hannah? Viola handed it over and hurried on to the green, where a number of children were indeed wriggling into sacks and clutching them to their waists. Viola helped the stragglers and then directed them all as they hopped and shuffled into a roughly even line along the appointed starting point. Adults crowded about the four sides of the green to watch and cheer. Viola had set out from home early in the morning, looking ladylike and elegant in a muslin dress and shawl and straw bonnet, her hair in a neatly braided coronet about her head beneath it. She had even been wearing gloves, but she had long ago discarded all the accessories. Even her hair, slipping stubbornly out of its pins during the busy morning of rushing hither and yon, had been allowed, finally, to hang loose in a long braid down her back. She was feeling flushed and happy. She could not remember when she had enjoyed herself more. "'Get ready!' she called, stepping to one side of the line of children. "'Go!' More than half the racers collapsed at their very first leap, their legs and feet all tangled up in sacking. They struggled to rise, to the accompaniment of good-natured laughter, and shouted encouragement from relatives and neighbours. But inevitably there was one child who hopped across the green like a grasshopper and crossed the finish line before some of her less fortunate fellow contestants had recovered from their tumble. Viola, laughing merrily, suddenly found herself locking eyes with the dark, handsome stranger who was standing at the finish line, his own laughter emphasizing his extraordinary good looks. He looked her over frankly from head to toe before she turned away, but she discovered with pleased surprise that she felt amused, even exhilarated by his appreciation, rather than repelled. She hurried forward to give out the prizes. It was time then to hasten into the inn, where she was to judge the pie-baking contest with the Reverend Pruitt and Mr. Thomas Claypole. "'Eating pie is thirsty work,' the vicar declared more than half an hour later, chuckling and patting his stomach, after they had sampled every pie and declared a winner." "'And if my observations have been correct, you have not had a break all day, Miss Thornhill. "'You go over to the church law now and find a table in the shade. "'Mrs. Pruitt or one of the other ladies will pour you tea. "'Mr. Claypole will be pleased to escort you, will you not, sir?' "'Viola could have done without the escort of Mr. Claypole, "'who, because he had proposed marriage to her at least a dozen times during the past year, "'appeared to believe that he had some claim on her.' and the right to speak plainly to her on any number of issues. The best that could be said of Thomas Claypole was that he was worthy, a solid citizen, a prudent manager of his property, a dutiful son. He was dull company at best, irritating company at worst. "'Forgive me, Miss Thornhill,' he began as soon as they were seated at one of the tables beneath the shade of a huge old oak tree, and Hannah had poured their tea— but you will not mind plain speaking from a friend, I dare say. Indeed, I flatter myself that I am more than a friend. What criticism of a perfect day do you have then, sir? she asked, setting her elbow on the table and her chin in her hand. Your willingness to organise the fate with the vicar's committee and to work hard to see that it runs smoothly is admirable indeed, he began, while Viola's eyes and attention drifted to the stranger whom she could see drinking ale at a table outside the inn. "'It can do nothing but earn my highest esteem. However, I have been somewhat alarmed to discover that today you look almost indistinguishable from any country wench.' "'Oh, do I?' 
Viola laughed. What a delightful thing to say. But you did not mean it as a compliment, did you? You are hatless and your hair is down, he pointed out. You have daisies in it. She had forgotten. One of the children had presented her with a bunch gathered from the riverbank earlier in the day, and she had pushed the stems into her hair above her left ear. She touched the flowers lightly. Yes, they were still there. I believe it is your straw bonnet that is lying on the back pew of the church, Mr. Claypole continued. Ah, she said, so that is where I left it, is it? It should be protecting your complexion from the harmful rays of the sun, he said with gentle reproof. So it should, she agreed, finishing her tea and getting to her feet. If you will excuse me, sir, I see that the fortune teller is setting up her booth at last. I must go and see that she has everything she needs.